Here's why this Airbnb ban that just happened in Dallas could be coming to a city near you. They got feedback with this decision from all across the country. They got it from Santa Monica. They got it from Atlanta. They got it from San Francisco. They got it from Boston. They got it from Austin, San Antonio, and other cities. So this was a joint decision, not just something that the Dallas powers to be just decided, hey, let's ban Airbnbs. And they've been thinking about the decision since 2020. You may be thinking, hey, why not just regulate a little bit better? Don't the cities make money off the Airbnb? Shouldn't it be all good? Why such a rash decision? Is this even legal in the first place? Well, we'll break it all down right about now. <laughs> Welcome back to House Rich, the first time home by show where we help millennials figure out how in the world do I buy my first home. Today we're talking Dallas's Airbnb ban and seeing how it could impact a city near you or your city exactly, right? First and foremost, here's a quote from one of the people that were at the meeting on Wednesday when it got banned. It's not an Airbnb ban, it's simply defining them as what they are, a commercial lodging business. And those should not be in neighborhoods. Kind of makes sense, sort of right, kind of semantics. They didn't ban the Airbnb, they just banned hotels from being in neighborhoods. Here's another quote from the opposition, the council member Chad West. I don't think this will stand up in federal court and there's a strong chance that the state legislature will pass laws in 2025 overturning short-term rental bans. Either situation will put us back where we are today, unchecked, problematic short-term rentals in our neighborhoods. That's a very good point as well. So why in the world did they not just put guidelines in place? We'll jump into that. But first off, let's see where they actually banned it because they banned short-term rentals all over Dallas, but technically some multifamily and commercial areas are still allowed to do Airbnbs and short-term rentals. And short-term rentals by definition are any rentals that are 30 days or less. Here is kind of the map right here. As you can see, there's a few dots around Dallas where Airbnbs are allowed, but essentially they ban 95% of Airbnbs with this ruling. And here is another regulation or ruling that was put in place as well for the short-term rentals that are still in place. The council voted 13-0 to change city codes to make it mandatory for properties to annually register with the city, pay fees and taxes, adhere to occupancy and noise limits, have someone on file who can respond to the property within one hour to address emergency concerns and other rules. The regulation will be reviewed again by city council by June 2025. There's a couple of things that hopefully stood out to you. One is that folks didn't have to register every single year. Yeah, you just register and then whatever happens with your property happens. No one's really keeping an eye on that. They're supposed to be collecting like taxes and stuff in the properties, but it's kind of like on an honor system. But folks, of course, weren't doing that. There's no one really to regulate the Airbnbs that were in place. And so you may be thinking like, why is that not in place in the first place? Well, it costs money. So part of this 97 page briefing that the Dallas City Council put together as they made their decision, kind of laid out some of these staffing concerns. So if you look at uh, this chart right here where they talk about potentially there being 3,000 short-term rentals in Dallas. And I say potentially because there is a big gap or delta between what folks think are in Dallas and what folks think may be the actual number of Airbnbs in Dallas. So depending on who you ask, it could be a little bit under 1,800. That's what's actually registered. 
Some folks guess it could be another like 1300 on top of that, so about 3100. And this uh, analytics website called Air DNA said there may be about 5500 Airbnbs, so nobody even really knows how many Airbnbs are in Dallas. But under this proposition for 3000 people, like uh, staffing would cost 1.3 million dollars just to kind of manage things. Then you got vehicles, uniforms, annual fees, etc. And so from all of this, the estimated revenue is going to be about $1.5 million, right? But let's jump back again. The salaries just for 16 people is going to come to $1.3 million. And then uniforms were at $1 million. So we're already in the whole 2.3, or, or we've spent $2.3 million already. And folks haven't even left the office, right? So that's another reason why I think they banned it because it costs too much to actually maintain and keep the Airbnbs properly run. Another thing was that the city council designated the city manager, T.C. Broadneck, to strike an agreement between Dallas and the short-term rental platforms to make sure they're collecting like the hotel transfer occupancy taxes and things of that nature on their website. Will he be able to do that? I'm not quite certain, as you'll see later in the briefing when they interviewed other cities and kind of get the feedback from them on how they maintain these items. So great, the Airbnbs are banned in the city of Dallas. It stops all the nuisances. But what about everyone that owns the Airbnb? So the negative side is there are people that, of course, are doing the right thing. I think like 80% of Airbnbs have zero complaints. So it's actually unfairly punishing the folks that have been doing the right things. Those are probably the people, the, the 1,800 folks that are registered. Those are probably the folks that are doing the right things. And they're earning an income off their Airbnbs and they purchase those properties based on the idea that they'll be able to generate rental income from those properties. So that's one of the reasons that some folks think that, hey, this may not stand up in court because folks should have the right to do whatever they want with their property, as long as they're not in the HOA. So HOAs can, can ban really whatever they want because when you sign up to purchase a home in HOA, you kind of sign documents saying that oh, you lose your, your rights to complain about certain things. And I think folks that live in HOAs are completely fine with that. They don't want short-term rentals near them. And honestly, if I was in not in HOA, I would not want a short-term rental like next to my house. I'm just being honest with you. And I think that's the case for most people. Even though 90% of the guests are all good, you're probably thinking, hey, I'm a great Airbnb guest. Well, we're not talking about you. We're talking about that one in 10 or one in 20 people that throw parties and do all sorts of nonsense in the properties. But let's dive into the presentation. Once again, this is 97 pages. You'll see they cover uh, background. They cover zoning, planning, urban design, enforcement, data, analytic, data analytics, certificate of occupancy, development services. And so here are a couple of things that they monitor as far as like collecting the data to say like, hey, there's too much foolishness or nonsense going on with Airbnb. So basic stuff like, you know, litter, trash, high weeds and stuff like that. And of course, we know extra police patrol, street roll blockage, you know, handicap parking, um, and just um, police having to be called on scene. So there's about 15 to 20 different categories that they monitored to come to th this decision and collected all this data. So let's jump into the data. So between January 2023 and April 2023 is when this data was taken. There were 43,673 public nuisance calls. And so that's calls to like 911 or 311 for anything from like people being loud people parking in the wrong spots to people firing off guns in neighborhoods and loud parties and things of that nature. So these calls, 100 or 1,216 were from short-term rentals, Airbnbs. And so that's basically 3% of the calls. So you're thinking, 
Is that a lot? Well, there are 524,000 households in Dallas. So once again, there were 1,613 calls in general from short-term rentals. So this could have been multiple short-term rentals with more than one call, but assuming it's a short-term rental, each with one call, that comes out to about 0.2% of the households in Dallas. But they generated 3% of the complaints. So you kind of see there's obviously a propensity of those short-term rentals to be the source of foolishness, for example. I'm a realtor in Dallas and would love to help you reach your goals of home ownership. So click the link in the description and just schedule a call no matter where you are on your journey. Not in Dallas, no worries. I can help connect you with a vetted realtor in your local jurisdiction as well. And feel free to share with friends, family, and folks. Everyone gets left. Short-term rentals had a higher average number of calls associated with their address than non-short-term rentals. And so, however, the difference was only was less than one call per household. And once again, one call per household may not seem a lot, but there are a bunch of households that never make any calls. So like, I've been in this house for six years. I have called the non-emergency line. I called it once because like it was, um, my wife was under the weather and not, our neighbors were just like acting a fool. And it was like 11 or 12 at night. And they've been kind of, they've been partying since like six o'clock. Like we just stayed at the house. We went out to go eat. We came back and it was just still a lot, a lot of stuff going on. So yeah, I've called the police on my, my neighbors. But once again, I called the non-emergency number. They turned down the, uh, they turned down the value when the police showed up. And so it was all good. It did a job. But one call in six years. So you can call me a, a Karen or a Ken if you want to, but it's all, it's all good. We talked about some of the, the data as far as what it will cost to kind of run this program. And I'll, you can kind of look through it again, feel free to pause, but there's options there for 150 short-term rentals, which that's kind of weird. Cause obviously I think we know there's more than that, but maybe this is actually the number of the short-term rentals actually after the ban, which yes, now that I think about it, that makes more sense. That's why they accepted this 150 proposal because they're going to be about 150 short-term rentals after the ban. And so as a comparison, the staffing will cost about $666,000, the, the, the devil's number, versus the $3,000 scenario, which let's just split the middle of the uh, 5,500 Airbnbs that may be there. Uh, once again, that was about $1.3 million. Um, estimated revenue about 48,000 versus the other scenario of 1.5 million. So of course there's going to be less revenue generated from the lower number of Airbnbs, but overall the deficit or the L or the amount spent to maintain those Airbnbs will be a lot less. So what impact could this potentially have on the housing market? I personally don't think it'll be a huge impact at all. As you saw, like the highest number scenario was 5,500 Airbnbs potentially in Dallas. The number that's registered was a little bit under 1,800. So folks that can no longer do Airbnbs, they may move to short-term rentals. They may just keep doing stuff illegally, especially the non-registered folks. But I don't think like there's gonna be a big flood of properties on to the MLS or to realtor.com or wherever you find your properties. But only, only time will tell. We'll see. Hopefully it does have some sort of positive impact for that first time home buyer or somebody looking for an actual residence to live in. Now, let's see what the other cities that Dallas reached out to for feedback had to say about this situation. So these are cities that are around Dallas, the Dallas suburbs, basically. So we got Arlington, Carrollton, Fort Worth, Frisco, and Garland, and then major cities in Dallas, San Antonio, and Austin. So they broke it down by population, number of short-term rentals, um, what changes they had to make. And so 
One thing I thought was important, I'm not going to read this entire chart for you, but I want you to check this one out for Fort Worth when they talk about the number of registered short-term rentals. There were only 120 legally registered short-term rentals. After they did some digging with some uh, creative software, they found out there were another 800 Airbnbs or short-term rentals operating illegally in the city. So not, you know, not doing the paperwork, not doing what they should be to collect revenue for the city, and most likely like not doing what they're supposed to in the neighborhood because they're basically doing it uh, illegal, right? And so other things to talk about, you know, how do you collect money for short-term rentals, registration, registration fees, etc. For, for the area. And so the highest number I saw was Arlington has a registration fee of $500, all the way down to the lowest being San Antonio has a registration fee of $100 for three years. Dallas is proposing to do have them register every year. And if there are any violations found, they have to pay like another registration fee to have it reinspected. So they just have to register every year. As long as there's no violations, they will have, they don't have to do the reinspection. Another thing they talked about was how do you come to the conclusion to even get a number for the registration fee? Like, what is it based on? So the city of Arlington had to say this. Registration fee is based on the time required for the staff's review and process applications, as well as perform code inspections and reinspections. The short-term rental permits bring in roughly 8 k per year, which is shy of total expenses. However, the short-term rental staff is split to support other departments. So their short-term rental staff does not just do short-term rentals but basically there's like hey if it's going to cost us x amount of dollars in order to enforce this it's going to cost you x amount of dollars in order to get your permit which seems to make a lot of sense for me going back arlington had the highest registration fee once again at 500 dollars. so let's jump to san antonio a task force individuals from neighborhoods stakeholders short-term rental folks so they got a basically a consensus of people that may have been pro and against the um short-term rentals they proposed an application fee of $100. It was presented to the city council with the proposed ordinance and was approved by the city council. So they kind of collaborated on this idea on how to um, come to the fees. And there's some other categories as well. Are they limits, um, permits? They need to have an emergency contact because if something goes bad, let's say something, there's a fire at the place or there's too much noise going on. Like they need to have somebody they can actually contact in order to remedy the issue because that is the property owner, the person that legally has the right to maybe throw somebody out of the property uh, versus the police saying maybe suggesting somebody needs to leave or versus you know having to take somebody to jail or something like that let's talk about the other cities that they interviewed so once again atlanta boston san francisco and santa monica so kind of spanning the uh the coast kind of the same questions number of registrants uh challenges so let's talk about a few of the challenges so we know atlanta was the most recent major city to add to ban airbnb so it says we anticipate issues of keeping track of illegal listings that have not obtained a short-term rental license. We would not have to, we would not have the manpower to search platforms and compare applications. So basically they have to say, hey, they see a listing online. There's really no way for them to say what listing that is because there's no address listed on the listing for obvious reasons. And then look at the application. So it's going to be very, very hard to enforce. Let's look at a... Uh, San Francisco. Staffing shortages, certain short-term rental hosts are discovering the loophole in the San Francisco regulatory scheme, i.e. hosts are listing unhosted stays as hosted and it's difficult to classify stays as hosted or unhosted. You know, legal business always finds a way. So that's why one of the people were saying like, hey, maybe we need to come to a, 
a consensus on how to actually regulate this. Kind of like, you know, prohibition where we're going to ban alcohol. That just drove people underground and made them think of more creative ways in order to, to, get, their, to get their booze on. I have the link to this story in my bio. So you can kind of read through the whole application as far as, you know, what certain cities did as far as enforcing certain items. One thing I do want to read, which I think is very important, is talking about does the hosting platforms have to register with the city? So we're talking about like Airbnb, Verbo, those are kind of like the big boys. But this is what happened in San Francisco. It says, in San Francisco, the two largest hosting platforms are Airbnb and Verbo. Combined, they basically have nine out of ten um, people that have registered with them. Because those platforms in the city were in part of a federal settlement agreed over the legality of the city ordinance, the... Uh, Short-term rental always receives the monthly correspondence from these two hosting platforms. So basically, this was a, a federal case, right, between the city of San Francisco and these platforms. And if you know how law works, there's something called precedent. So if San Francisco was able to get this established, it looks like other cities most likely will be able to do it too because they're going to say, hey, look at this federal ruling. I think that's very important for the decisions going forward in the future, right, because Precedence, precedence, precedence. So now the city of Houston wants to say that, hey, well, San Francisco had this federal ruling. Why can't we do the same based on our requirements as well? Yeah, so let me know what you think. Are you pro, against, mad? You don't care as far as it comes to a potential Airbnb ban in your local jurisdiction. But as always, by land, rumor has it they're not making any more of it. They may ban it though.